Let me start this evening with a word of warning for you. You are going to hear some swearing this evening. There are going to be cuss words. In fact, just for ease's sake, I'll get us started now. There you go. That just happened. That just happened. OK, at home, all you will have heard there is a short bleep, but underneath that bleep was the word and that's so that there you go it was the same thing again was the word that i'm sorry you had to hear it a few times but... here's a, a little background about me before before we begin i came to america much like much like eddie murphy uh, i too am a fictional african prince uh, I, I came to America three and a half years ago, and I loved it here straight away. And you know, I say that with some surprise, because, to be honest, I wasn't sure I would. It was, it was strange falling in love with a country at a point that many people, and history, <laughs> may yet judge to be it at its worst. It was like falling in love with a girl who was just throwing up all over herself. <laughs> Softly holding her hair back and whispering to her that everything was going to be all right. <laughs> to me, that's what the last eight years were like here in America. You were just projectile vomiting all over yourself as, as the rest of the world rubbed your back saying, shh, that's it. Let it all out. <laughs> oh, that was a big one there. And just a year ago, you had that final dry wretch, emptied your stomach, brushed your teeth, and now you and the world are making out once more. Oh, never do that to me again. I missed you. Whatever your politics are, it was an incredibly dramatic day, the last election. For me, even more so, it was an emotional roller coaster. I was excited, yes. I was nervous, definitely. I was hungry, I hadn't eaten breakfast that morning. <laughs> and I was also filled with this deep, burning anger in the pit of my stomach. Because frankly, I could not believe I was not allowed to vote. <laughs> Three and a half years I have lived here. I work hard, relatively speaking, for someone who does this for a living. I pay my taxes, I try to fit in. I've learnt your rudimentary language. <laughs> I don't know what more you can reasonably expect me to do. And that's when it hit me. I know why I'm so angry. I know what this is. Taxation without representation. <laughs> now I get it. Now, now I see why you got so pissy about it all those years ago. It is annoying. You were right, it is annoying. And consider that as close to an apology as you are ever going to get. <laughs> ever. Before I came out here tonight, I thought, let's try a little experiment. So I wrote into Google, John Oliver is, and then let it autocorrect the most popular responses. That was a huge <laughs> mistake. Because I cannot unsee what I saw in that moment. These were the top three most popular results on Google when you write that in. Result number one, John Oliver is not funny. Number one, <laughs> result number one, 
Honestly, this is pointless. <laughs> it's just me spewing off a series of factually inaccurate statements and then pausing for silence. <laughs> Result number two was this. John Oliver is Jewish. Now... <laughs> here's the thing about that. I'm not actually Jewish. I just like the look. But that's not the point. That's not the point, is it? I love what they've done with their facial features, and I've tried to emulate that as much as I can since puberty, and it's gone very well. It's objectively gone very well. I don't want to argue with how well it's gone, because it's gone great. And finally, result number three, I swear to you this is true, was this. John Oliver is a smurf. A smurf! A smurf! That's the third most popular result on the internet of my time on this earth. That is the legacy my lifetime will leave history. That's what my gravestone will read. John Oliver, not funny, maybe Jewish, definitely a smurf. That's my life! Well, first came here to America. I didn't know anyone here. And my best friend, Dan, could see that I was upset before I left England. And he said, I bought you this teddy bear. Don't squeeze his tummy until you get to your new apartment in New York. So I flew to this strange city in a strange land. And it was very hot that summer. As a British person, I'm just not equipped to deal with those kind of temperatures, either physically or emotionally. And I unpacked my things and I felt very rootless and lost and alone. And there at the bottom of the case was the teddy bear. And I, I picked him up and I gazed into his button eyes. And I squeezed him, I did, I'm not ashamed to say that. I squeezed him in the tummy. And, and these are the exact words that bear said to me. He said, you will die on your own in a dark, cold room. And I have never loved my friend Dan like I loved him in that moment. Mainly because I know how those bears are made. You record the personalised message into the little box, then you take it over to the teddy bear man, who then tests it to check it's working before sewing it into the bear's stomach. So I knew there had to be that moment between my friend Dan and the teddy bear man. As he pressed the button, listened to the message, and then just stared at him. With an instinctive decision to make. Was this a maverick act of friendship? Or was this a serial killer? <laughs> and I know what my friend Dan looks like, and he took a gamble that day. <laughs> Not an insignificant gamble. Every generation is defined by its greatest invention. You've seen this throughout history, though, the generation that created the wheel, the telephone, the panini, the nuclear bomb. <laughs> All of the greatest inventions of all time. And I was wondering the other day, what will our generation's legacy be as an invention? I thought, well, it's the T-shirt cannon. <laughs> yes, 
the t-shirt cannon. The cannon that fires t-shirts. This is how much we love t-shirt cannons. People have died falling out of arenas, reaching for t-shirts fired their way. And yet, we still have t-shirt cannons. And I don't recall any discussion of t-shirt cannons getting banned. Almost as if collectively we all thought, you know what, it's not that bad a way to die. That's a noble death. That is a proud, honest death. You are guaranteed to get into heaven if you're walking up there with a balled up t-shirt in your hand saying, I f***ing caught it. Step aside. I'm coming through. I've got my passport to paradise right here. Overconfidence is better than no confidence at all. Look back to that terrible earthquake that took place last year that sent the tsunami to Japan. You might remember there was a point that we were very concerned about what was going to happen to Hawaii. And they had mandatory evacuations on all the beaches in Hawaii and fixed cameras broadcasting live images of these deserted beaches onto the news. And there were journalists narrating the footage saying, look, we don't know how big this wave is going to be. We just know it will strike sometime in the next five minutes. <laughs> and that our thoughts and our prayers must be with the people of Hawaii at this truly frightening time. And then, in the corner of the screen, <laughs> out walked this one man. <laughs> Seemingly completely unconcerned. One, one of the world's most popular beaches currently had zero people on it. And I've never heard two journalists try harder not to say the words, what the f*** is he doing? What the actual f*** is that man doing? And then, this man walked up right to the edge of the water and he did this. Overconfidence is better than no confidence at all. Everything's gonna be fine, America. America has nothing to fear but America itself. I don't understand people that don't swear. Because if you don't swear, I'm intrigued. What exactly are you waiting for? <laughs> Has nothing sufficiently bad happened to the world during your lifetime that you are willing to uncork the bottle of potty mouth that you've been keeping for a special occasion? Because let me tell you, it has. Something bad has happened. The fact that politicians don't swear is something I've always found inherently untrustworthy. Now, look at Ban Ki-moon, Secretary General of the UN. If he doesn't swear, considering what he hears about every single day during his job, if he doesn't swear, that is a real problem. If the first thing out of his mouth in the morning when he walks into his office at the UN, and when the phone starts to ring before he's even had a chance to sit down. If the first thing out of his mouth is not, what? What the f do you want? Can I not just drink my coffee and eat my bagel before you tell me what calamity has just befallen mankind? I hate this job. If my wife, if my wife, Mrs. Key Moon, if 
she asks me one more time, how was work today, darling? I'm gonna lose my <laughs> How was work today? It was f***ing harrowing, sweetheart. How is it being married to the shell of a man? <laughs> if that is not the first thing out of his face, he should be fired on the spot. Swearing is not as bad as we give it credit for. It can do great things. I can prove this to you. Recently, I was on a flight. I was on an aeroplane and I was uh, sitting in the row in front of three eight-year-old boys. And they were, I presume they were flying with their parents. If I'm honest, I never actually saw those parents. So they might have just been taking a vacation from kindergarten. I don't know. I don't know. Rough term. Rough term. And this commute is killing me. Why am I going to kindergarten three states away? Crazy. Uh, but they were having, they were just talking to each other through the flight and they were being charming and I was just listening to them. And then this one amazing exchange took place that I've never been able to forget. Because one little boy turned to the kid next to him and he said, I hate you. The other boy laughed and said, no, you don't, no, you don't, you don't mean that. You don't hate me. And he said, oh, no, no. Oh, I mean it. I absolutely hate you. And this kid was devastated. He started crying those kind of tears you can only sob as a child. You know where you're almost hyperventilating in grief? He was saying, I don't know. Why you hate me? I don't know what I have done to make you hate me. <laughs> and then softly, so quietly, you had to strain to hear it. He said, And the first boy heard him and said, hold on, do you swear? And he said, yes, and they were friends again. <laughs> <laughs>